0: Thank you, Ruth, for taking us to the throne. What a blessing you are each week. I appreciate that. She sparkles. As Nancy says, she plays words. They come through beautifully. We get to praise the Lord today. Isn't that exciting? If you look through the songs that Nancy has picked for today, Every one of them seems to be a favorite. And they all focus on praise and how great our God is. We know he is the one true God, the living God who created us. And we get to sing his praise even though we are failed human beings. He loves us and sent his son to die for us that we could have fellowship with him now and forever. Wouldn't it be amazing if more people knew about him. We get to lift his name up today and through the week, I hope, by the way we live our lives. Sing with me how great is our God. Let's stand together if you would be comfortable doing that.
1: The splendor of the King,
0: loathly
1: majesty, let all the earth rejoice, let all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light, and darkness tries to hide, and he trembles at his voice, and he trembles at his voice. How great is our God? Father, Spirit, sound, the Lion
2: and the Lamb, the Lion and the Lamb.
1: How great is our God, sing with me, how great is our God, and all will see how great. There go. On the cross My burden, burden gladly bearing He bled and died To take away my sin Let's praise Him Then sings my soul I shall come with shout of acclamation and take me home what joy shall fill
3: Show me in prayer, please. Father, thank you so much. You truly are great. And Father, in this personal time of worship for each one of us and corporately as the body of Christ, I pray we will keep that foremost in our mind and our heart. But we want to lift up our voice to you and our voices to you in unison, because God, you are the creator and help us never to lose perspective, never to lose sight and so today we gather to give you honor and praise and glory. And Father, there are concerns uh, on our hearts and our minds uh, for uh, folks continuing to deal with disaster in Maui, the loss of life for California as uh, the hurricane continues to beat down on the southern part, as well as Mexico. So, the Father, there are those in danger's way. And I pray that you would encourage and give wisdom. And Father, help us not only to pray, but Father, in action, to help in other ways. And Lord, I ask that as we look at these physical dangers and we look at the loss of life, that our focus would also be on the spiritual devastation in so many lives and God I pray that you would empower us through your spirit to care and Father to do something about that not only through prayer but Father through our engagement in building relationships with folks and our giving of of monies that uh, go not only in the local community where we serve but also around the world Help us to catch your vision, to have your heart. Because as we see how great you are, we are your followers. Father, you're calling us to your high calling. Help us to be obedient. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for being here at First Baptist Church, Sun City West. We are glad that you're here. And if this is the very first time that you've been here, we'd love for you to take the opportunity to take the guest card in the pew in front of you if you haven't already filled one out in the, uh, in the lobby. And just fill it out, drop it in the offering boxes when you leave. There are, are one at every exit. We would certainly appreciate that so we could acknowledge your being with us. And this morning we just uh, are looking forward to a wonderful time of worship, to engaging, to continuing to build relationships with, uh, with each other. express our love for one another for we are brothers and sisters in Christ and as we join together as we continue to lift up our voices in song let's remember he is the God of love and he loves us and he loves us first because he wants us to love each other as we sing these songs faith in him make sure that you just Touch the person beside you sometime during the course of the service and just look at them, and they'll know that you care. Let's sing. Let's
0: sing. We bring the sacrifice of praise to the Lord as we worship him. I will enter
1: his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. I will say this is the day the Lord has made I will rejoice for he has, he has made me glad
2: he has made me glad he
1: has made me glad I will rejoice for he has made me glad
4: he has made me glad he has made me glad, made me glad.
1: Made me glad. I will rejoice for he has the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. We bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. And we offer up to you the sacrifices of thanksgiving sacrifice sacrifices of joy I see the Lord.
5: Let us pray. Our dear most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day we come to your house. Oh God, how great you are. So worthy of our praise and our adoration. And thank you for giving us a son that died on the cross so we could have this everlasting life to live with you the rest of our time. Dear Lord, just pray now for the, this service lifted up to you, dear Lord. As we sing praises to you, and then we hear Brother Kennedy's message, dear Lord, that we have an open heart and open mind to hear each and every word that he has prepared for us. And, dear Lord, there are so many concerns within our church and our world, dear Lord, with so much disaster going on around the world. And the sickness that is going around, we pray and lift each one of our members up to you, dear Lord that you keep them strong, safe, and healthy. For all these things we ask in your holy and precious name. Amen.
0: There is a space, an empty space in our lives, a God-filled void that only he can fill. Nobody fills my heart like Jesus. Let's express that today and encourage each other and also sing to the Lord.
1: To say Lord from the start Thank you for breaking through my heart Thank you for tearing everything apart When I was lost you made the way You turned the darkest night to day You are my joy
2: And Lord, I'd like
1: to say That nobody fills my heart
2: like Jesus
1: Nobody thrills me like you do Nobody fills my heart like Jesus Nobody, Lord, but you Nobody but you When I am weak, my Lord, you're strong, loving me even when I'm wrong. Lord, you are my salvation and my song.
2: Every
1: day I'll make the choice, just listening, following your voice, being with you. I can't help but rejoice. Nobody fills my heart like Jesus. Nobody thrills. Thrills me like you do. Nobody fills my heart like Jesus. Nobody, Lord, but you. Nobody but
4: Our scripture reading for this morning is from the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, verses 14 through 18. Please follow along as the verses are read. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. We are blessed to share these words because we know these are the words of the Lord.
3: Thank you so much. So this past week, you felt like you had any kind of battle at all? Maybe one or two of you? I know a number of you because we've talked this week. (laughs) And uh, it seems like That as we're striving to live the way that God desires us to live, that there are always obstacles that come across our path. And they vary. And not all of those obstacles are from Satan. Some of them we make ourselves. Others, uh, they're the ripple effects of decisions other people make. Some of it's just the course of living in a fallen world, and that's the life that we have. But man, sometimes it can just be difficult. The Apostle Paul wants us to be strong and mighty. And so he gives this prescription of eight characteristics, elements, keys that will help us as we go through life to live a life set apart for Christ, no matter what. Sometimes Satan does attack us, and you remember hearing him as those fiery missiles come in, and those arrows seem to come from every direction, and he says to you, well, if God really loved you, he wouldn't let this And over the last couple of weeks, been dealing with a family outside of our church, that that's exactly where they are. A portion of them. The mat of God. Satan loves to bring this to our mind, even as believers, to say, you know what? Really, if he loved you, he should want to clear a path for you. To make life a little bit easier for you rather than to having one obstacle after another. But you see, what he desires us to do is to stand firm and to dig into the turf and hold on to God's word. That's what God desires in the midst of those flaming arrows that come. He says in Romans 8:28: All things work together for the good of them who love the Lord. Who are called according to his purpose we understand what this scripture means but we have to apply it so that when those difficult times come and 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 satan does try to knock our footing out from underneath us or even if it's just the course of life that happens and our health begins to fail our family relationships become strained He says still as long as we hold on to the scripture and stand firm in the Lord he says they're gonna work together for the good it may not be good right now and I can't really understand because I have a finite mind I can't really understand the infinite mind of God of how he brings all of this to the good but that's the promise that he gives And so we need to do that in addition when satan stabs us from behind and he says to you don't you remember what you did and here we are striving to be all that god wants us to be to live a life that is set apart to be a light and yet he brings up and drudges up something from the past and he, he whispers it in his ear and says, why, why am I trying to do this? Because I know the kind of person that I am. And that's when we have to stand firm. And we have to, to, to dig in those cleats of the gospel of peace. And say, as 1 John 1, 9 says, It is written, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness that is the promise of god and so we have incredible defenses that will help us to stand firm no matter the circumstances that come our way but we have to apply them we have to put them into place i uh i not only think about the defensive part of this armor of god of what god is giving us but also think that god expects us to go on the offensive and to take the gospel of peace to others. So it's not just a defensive measure that we need to gather inside the fort and just be strong in the fort, but he wants us to move forward as well. He tells us in 1 Peter 3, and verse 15, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. So number one, they see the hope that you have no matter what circumstance you find yourself in. And he says, listen, be ready to give a response. Don't detract it. Don't say, well, I, I don't know, I, I, I can't tell you. Be ready, always. As some versions say, in season and out of season. That's what Paul told Timothy. Now, last Sunday I addressed putting on the full armor of God and I hit the first four of those elements that I think are so critical. First was to stand firm. That means not be moved. That's what I'm talking about when Satan throws those fiery darts, we have to stand our ground. Secondly was to put on the belt of truth, which is the word of God which we live out every single day. It should be part of what we do. And third, we must secure the breastplate of righteousness which is the righteousness that was paid for by Jesus Christ on the cross. And fourth, we must be ready with the gospel of peace, which is the message that God has given us to share with others. So let's move on to the last four uh, of these elements that are so critical. How in the world can we be mighty and strong, strong and mighty in the Lord when Satan is trying his best in the spiritual warfare that we live in to defeat us? We have those four elements. Let's look at the last four. He says, listen, here's how you can do that. By picking up the shield of faith. In verse 16, he says, take up the shield of faith, which is with which you can extinguish all the fiery, flaming arrows of the evil one. In that day and time, uh, Paul knew and understood the Roman infantry, uh, more times than not, would uh, use uh, a large shield, called a scutum, uh, And it was uh, almost the size of a door. Maybe you've seen some of those in movies. It wasn't just this little, although they did have those, those shields that were round and they could put on their arm, but, but what they're talking about here are those long rectangular shields that are almost as tall as they are. This type of shield, uh, it would cover the warrior entirely. I think that's what Paul is trying to get across here. It's, uh, this shield was a defensive shield for certain, but it also could be offensive. You could push, you could prod others to, to fall on the ground and lose their balance, and therefore take your sword and take their life. When fighting as a group, you find that the, uh, the Roman infantry could actually encircle themselves with all of those shields all the way around where, where they would have this enclosure. And be protected, especially from the arrows coming from walls of cities they were trying to conquer. So a shield is vitally important to the soldier. It's uh, uh, his blanket of protection. It means that it's something that we take up in the midst of battle. It's something that, that, uh, that is vital when we go in to meet our enemy. And also we find that it's the very first barrier When the enemy attacks us, the very first thing we do is to pull that shield up. And so it's important. It's vital. And so Paul says to us, listen, what you need to do in the midst of the spiritual battle that you're in, whether you realize it or not, is when you begin hearing these words from Satan, or you're tempted by some other means to go off track, First thing you need to do is to put up the shield of faith. To take it up. When we take up the shield of faith, it's it's when we believe God and we take God at his word and we remain grounded in the truth. Therefore, the lies of the enemy lose their power. We ourselves become the overcomers. And faith is our shield. When we talk about this shield, I know the imagery is something tangible, but for the believer, it is faith. That which we don't see, but that which we must have. Hebrews chapter one, verse, uh, chapter 11 verse one says, now faith is the confidence, what we hope for, and assurance of what we do not see. Faith is the confidence of what we hope for, we long for, what God has put in our mind and our heart, and the assurance of what we do not see. Most of us don't see the spiritual battles taking place. We're just trying to survive every single day and every single week. But underneath all of that, Satan is trying to do everything he can to put us off to the side so that we're not... Engaged into the ministry, to the work to which God has called us. And he can use anything he desires, he strives to, but we have to come back and say, listen, I have this faith, and I, I can't see it, it's not tangible that I can put my hand onto, but I believe in the promises of God. In fact, Hebrews eleven six says, without faith it is impossible to please God. So we need to have the confidence we need to understand that we have the assurance that god is going to take care of us even when we don't see it it's our faith in god and his promises that are going to keep us steady and strong in the midst of the battle there are four things that i want you to remember Uh, uh, faith prompts faith reminds Faith recognizes and faith chooses. When Satan's attacks cause us to be doubtful of some things, <coughs> and even I believe from my observation over the years, that even some of the strongest, more mature believers that I have ever been around, there have been those moments of doubt, a question a wondering, given in confidence, but still there. Satan and his fiery darts and looking for that weakness that we have can certainly cause doubt, but faith prompts us to believe in God. When we have faith and those fiery darts come, our faith is what says, no, no, here's what God says. This is what I believe, and it's strong. We give in to temptation when we believe that which has been offered to us is better than what God offers us. And so we fall into that temptation we choose. But listen, faith reminds us that though fulfillment of God's promise may not be readily seen by us, God is true to his word never ever breaking a promise you can see it all the way through scripture you can see it in the entirety of the Old Testament and all the promises concerning the birth of Jesus Christ and every single one of them fulfilled when God says it it makes it true he is truth therefore what he speaks is truth you can hold on to it in your heart your mind when Satan attempts to plague us when he tries to entice us with instant gratification faith recognizes the deceptiveness and the tactics that Satan uses and quickly extinguishes those arrows so all that temptation of thought may come right through our mind our faith in God says, oh no, no, and extinguishes those temptations so we don't fall. When Satan accuses us, faith chooses to believe that Jesus Christ has redeemed us and that there is absolutely no more condemnation. We're no longer condemned. We don't have to hang on to the past like a millstone around our neck He broke that, and he freed us. (laughs) He redeemed us, and there is no more condemnation. (coughs) Paul says that in Romans. John says that in the Revelation. And we need to take it to heart. And so faith, the shield of faith, what's going to protect us Is our faith because faith will prompt us, it will remind us, it will recognize, and it will choose our faith. In addition to this, he says we need to take up the helmet of salvation. Now, the helmet of salvation, um, we're to wear that helmet of salvation every single day because our minds once we do become more and more insulated against the suggestions and the desires and the traps of the enemy that he lays out for us. We think of things that honor Christ. So when we put on the helmet of salvation, our focus then is understanding what Christ has done for us, not only in the realm of salvation, saving our soul, but also in the realm of our our continual growth. Our sanctification and so all those thoughts that might come in that might derail us they're not going to be there because our mind is protected when a soldier suits up for battle the helmet is the very last thing that they put on it's the final act of readiness and preparation for the battle that is about to take place and you know a a battle uh, when you think about uh, a Roman soldier a helmet was vital for their survival because it protected the brain from injury, the command center. The reality is if, if that brain was not protected in the midst of battle, the rest of the armor doesn't really matter because if they get hit in the head and they fall to the ground, what else is going to happen? So the helmet was so critical The assurance of our salvation, I believe. When we understand that Christ has given us life everlasting and he continues to be with us through the power of his Spirit living inside of us, we carry that helmet of salvation. There is absolutely nothing that can penetrate it, no matter what the enemy throws at us. But we have to have it on constantly, continually. Jesus said in Matthew 10, 28, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. We worry too much about everything else. And he's saying, listen, you need to honor me. Because when it's all said and done, you're going to have to face me. But let me tell you this it's even better news because I love you and I've shown that through the greatest gift that anyone could give through Jesus Christ and through my gift of salvation through Jesus Christ but all I want you to do is follow me because I have your very best interest at heart and so we shouldn't be worried about everything else we should be focused upon honoring God with everything that we do so the idea behind that verse that Jesus spoke of is that we need to prepare for Satan's attacks we've got to grab the helmet of salvation we need to buckle it tight and it provides daily protection and deliverance from both our sin nature and Satan's schemes against us there are a number of actions that we can take that will keep that helmet fastened and functioning in the midst of our spiritual conflict and war our minds are the battlefields so we must renew our minds by focusing on christ daily renewing our mind we get up out of bed we say okay god I'm not feeling 100% today, but what I want you to do is I want you to fill my mind and my heart. And I am going to take my action step and focus on you today. No matter what the decisions are, no matter what I have going on, I am going to renew my mind with you. And in the midst of that, anything I need to ask forgiveness for, I do it. We must reject doubts that arise from circumstances. When something happens in our life and something falls apart, basically, we still have to reject those doubts because we know who made the promise to us that it's all going to be okay. It's not going to be perfect. And there are going to be some trying and difficult times in life. There's not a person sitting in this worship center today or watching on live stream that, uh, that hasn't gone through some kind of difficulty. And the question comes in well, why did this happen? But we have to move those temptations out of the way and we have to reject the doubts. We must keep an eternal perspective when life comes crashing down upon us. And it's not easy, because we focus on the temporal, the here and now, but he wants us to look on the broad picture, the eternal perspective. Because there will be times when our life comes crashing down. when we have to say goodbye to a loved one it crashes whether it be a spouse or whether it be a a child an adult child when we hear you know the words that that cancer it's back and it's strong those are difficult times when we have family members that just won't give us the time of day, it comes crashing down upon us, and that's when we have to, to stop and we have to readjust everything and say, I, I know this is happening right now, but God's going to help me through every step of these most difficult times in our lives, He's going to help me through this in my life. But I have to remember that there's eternal perspective because this temporal life is going to pass away what's left is the eternal life which never ever ceases we must remember that victory is already ours because as paul said in romans 6:11 we are dead to sin but alive to god we are already victors when Christ came into our heart so in the midst of the battle where it seems like we're we're doing this hand-to-hand combat with Satan and everything else is just in disarray we have to come back and we have to say okay I'm already the victor I'm gonna win over this as I take that eternal perspective that God God keeps his promises he always will and we must find all our hope in him because if we put our hope in another person they will fail us If we put our hope in our finances, they will go away. (laughs) If we put our hope in our own lives, we will fail ourselves. The psalmist said, whom have I in heaven but you? Besides you, I desire nothing on earth. We have to have the hope that God is going to take care of us which he promises and so he tells us to take on the shield of faith he tells us to put on and buckle on tightly the helmet of salvation because that's that's where it all starts that's where we're going to make those choices and those decisions and then he says we will continue to be Strong and mighty in the Lord in the midst of our spiritual warfare by picking up the sword of the spirit. In verse 17 he says, take the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. That phrase, sword of the spirit, is found only in this verse in the entire Bible. The sword is both an offensive and a defensive weapon used by the Roman soldiers. Swords were used to protect oneself in the midst of that hand-to-hand combat, but also to attack an enemy, to overcome them, to kill them, if they were trying to kill you. In both cases, in the offensive and the defensive, we find that it was necessary for the Roman soldier to get rigorous training on how to handle the sword. Now, For the infantry, those swords weren't necessarily just little small daggers. (laughs) They had to learn to wield them. And I would say that we have to do the same thing. You see in the case that we're talking about here in Ephesians, the weapon belongs to the Holy Spirit. The sword of the Spirit, he says. And the sword that Paul is talking about in this passage is the Word of God, the Holy Scriptures. Since every single one of us, as believers in Jesus Christ, are in the midst of spiritual warfare and battle with satanic and with the evil forces of this world, we have got to know how to handle the Word of God properly. And I emphasize that because just a verse a day in the morning your devotion time is not going to to help you to learn how to wield that sword in the midst of battle the way that you need to it takes really knowing the Word of God understanding what it says applying it to our lives it takes time to do that talked to a, a young man yesterday fixing to go into the Air Force We talked a little bit about his uh, his basic training, what it was going to be, and all that was involved in that. The basic training just for entering one of our military is rigorous. Now, we're in the midst of a spiritual battle, not a temporal battle. This is one in the realm of eternity. And this is a battle... Not only for us to stay focused upon what God desires us to do, but it's a battle where there are so many billions of people in the world today that are lost. And we're fighting for them too. That's why as Baptists, we, we work hard. We, we have Bible study or Sunday school all through the years. We teach the Bible, have Bible studies wherever we go. We, when, when we come to, to here, to the pulpit, we strive hard to preach what god desires from his word but it takes each one of us in our own personal study to understand it but i'll tell you there's a lot of stuff on the airways uh television and radio and podcasts that just are not proper in the realm of what the word of god says so you have to be discerning it's not just listening to everything that's out there it's understanding what the word of god says and applying it to your life and living it out in truth Otherwise, you don't have a sword to do battle with. And it doesn't come to us by osmosis. When we take the Word of God and we strive to study it and allow God's Spirit to speak to us and and just plow through it one step at a time, learning what we can learn, you'll find that it becomes very effective as Jesus uh, we saw Jesus in, in, the, uh, in the temptation in, uh, in the early chapters of Matthew. He, every time that Satan came and, and brought him something magnificent that he just can't pass up, he came back with the word of God. It's an example for us. So if we're going to have an effective defense against evil, we have got to make sure that we have an understanding of the word. As an offensive weapon, we use it to demolish strongholds of error and falsehood nobody likes a great debate right? nobody wants to debate the scriptures but we have to stand firm on what we believe the scripture says and we have to hold to it because it is going to be absolutely critical in this spiritual battle the purpose of the sword of the spirit the bible is, it is to make us strong It is to help us to withstand the evil onslaught of Satan and his minions. And if you haven't seen it, it is more evident in our nation today than I have ever seen. And you can turn a blind eye to it and you can just kind of ease into it and say, well, it's just going to get better. It's not going to get better if we don't stand. And the standard of living is the word of God. That's what I committed to years and years ago when I was 18. And God called me to preach. I I had to try to figure out, well, how am I going to do that? What am I going to do? What's going to be the standard? And and I came to the realization that God's word had to be the standard that I, I looked at everything with. That was the prism. Now, there'll be people, and I've had people tell me, said, you know what, I don't believe the Bible, so, you know, whatever you're saying doesn't matter to me. You've got to give me some different proof. And I come back and I say, no, this is the truth. And so this is the standard by which I live my life. It is critical. In uh, the midst of our, our battles. The Holy Spirit uses the power of the Word of God To save us and to give us spiritual strength as we grow in our discipleship, in our sanctification, as we mature in him. It's the word of God that does that. So Paul is very clear. He tells us, take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Take it up, use it, apply it internalize it in your life. Make sure you understand it and become those mature soldiers in the Lord for fighting the corruptness and the evil in the world in which we live. The more we know and understand the word of God, the the more useful it is in doing the will of God and also more effective in us standing against the enemy. Our study experiencing God knowing and doing the will of God that we have gone through this summer for a group of of our members it has led us step by step into an understanding of what what that means to do the will of God to help us to understand that uh, that we got to be listening to God all the time and God speaks in lots of different ways and we have to hear and sometimes we're not always liking what we hear because he's he's designed listen I'm I'm gonna start working over here I'd like to invite you to be a part of that and we're gonna say no I really like where I'm at but if we're really understanding the Word of God we understand that he moves when he wants to move he's the Creator he's got a plan it's an overall plan we need to be part of that plan And we need to be flexible to accomplish that. And so not only to do the will of God, but but also to stand against the enemy. Sometimes we like to do, one, doing the will of God, and that's what we're doing, but I'm going to leave everything else because I just don't want the conflict. The reality is Paul gives us this understanding of the full armor of God for a reason. Because he's looking at these believers at the church at Ephesus, and he himself imprisoned. <coughs> and he knows he's not going to be able to go and protect them. He loves them. And so he paints this imagery because he knows what's going to happen to them because of persecution that was taking place. But he also sees into the distance he sees into the distance of every single believer who follows the Lord is going to be attacked because Jesus said that's what would happen. The last thing that he tells us that I think is vital, he says if you want to be strong and mighty in the Lord in the midst of the spiritual battle, he says I want you to pray in the spirit Praying in the Spirit is mentioned three times in Scriptures. 1 Corinthians 14, 15, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, and Jude 20. Three times it's mentioned. What exactly does it mean to pray in the Spirit? Well, if you go back to the original language, the word pray in has about at least four different meanings. Could be, can have uh, um, uh, by the means of, or with the help of, or in the sphere of, or in connection to, that probably doesn't mean anything to you, except that some people will misinterpret praying in the Spirit as some kind of a special language over here that you don't understand and somebody can't interpret, and that's not what it's talking about. It's very clear what Paul is saying, regardless of the definition from the Greek that you use, he is speaking very succinctly. It's not not referring to the words that we pray. It refers to how we are praying. Praying in the Spirit is praying according to the Spirit's leading. It's praying for things that the Spirit leads us to pray for. Not something that's... Not going to benefit anybody at all. So Paul comes in and he says, with all of this, the spiritual battle, it's not this magical pill over here <laughs> that we're going to pray in the spirit and all of a sudden it's going to take care of everything. He said, no, I want you to pray in the spirit because I want you to be so in tune with the spirit of God that you're praying what he's leading you to pray for. If you don't know somebody very well, you're not going to know what's on their mind. You're not going to know what their patterns are, the perspective they're coming from. But if you know somebody really well, like your spouse or your siblings, then you're going to know what what their desires, what what that that pushes in their heart and their life, what their druthers are. And he says, listen. I want you to pray in the Spirit. I want you to be so connected with the Holy Spirit that you know what He's leading you to do because, in the midst of the spiritual battle, it is going to come to a head. And you need to hear what He's saying, and then you need to do what He tells you to do. So He has all of that armament in symbolic fashion, but He says, pray. the spirit because the spirit lives inside of you romans chapter 8 verse 26 says in the same way the spirit helps us in our weakness we do not know what we ought to pray for but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express there are times believe it or not that i don't know what to say (laughs) (laughs) i just don't and there are times when I go before the Lord that, that I am, I'm conflicted about something. I'm so concerned about something, I, think I, don't even, I don't even know how to express the depth of my concern to God. But praying in the Spirit means that we just go ahead and pray. Because the Spirit will take our words and present it to the infinite God. And communicate what we can't communicate. That's because he knows us well, and we ought to know the spirit well. We got to understand him. And so this is what Paul tells us. He says, "You have the armor of God. You need to put it in place. and if you put it in place, I promise you you're going to gain the victory." Every single spiritual battle, as hard as it will be, you will gain the victory if you hold on to that armor, all the elements of it, and stand firm and pray hard and do everything you can to do the will of God and to be focused upon defeating the enemy. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10.5, we are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of god and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of christ that would be my question to you as we finish up are you taking every captive every thought captive meaning you're not letting satan come any direction that you are fully protected and you are focused on doing what God wants you to do so that if those fiery missiles come at you, you can defend against it. So if you see somebody who needs to hear the Lord or a brother needs to be lifted up, that you are there to help. That's what having the full armor of God is all about. To move through this temporal world into the world everlasting, having a focused life on God and bringing these people with us who we've led to the Lord, we've planted seeds in the Lord, we've encouraged along the way for the Lord. So in our invitation, I'm just asking you to do this. What has God said to you? What has the Spirit spoken to you today? And in the seats where you are in a moment, you'll be standing, you and God just deal with that. Rededicate your life. Commit yourself however it needs to be. But be focused upon what God desires. The things that we've talked about. And let Him speak to you. And if today is the day that you want to give your life to Christ, then this would be the day to do it. Because that's why Jesus came. If you want to come and be a part of this fellowship, come right ahead. Because together we're striving to accomplish the desire of God in our community and beyond. That's who we are. who you you are. Father, as we go into our invitation, our prayer is very simple. Whatever you want us to hear, help us to hear and help us to respond in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand, please. The
2: greatest
1: thing in all my life
2: so... Oh.
3: Next Sunday, uh, we, our entire service will be focused on the Lord's Supper. There will be a lot of interesting, uh, good key elements to it. I just ask that as you come, that you prepare yourself before you come uh, for this very special service. At the end of that service, at every exit, uh, we will have a benevolent offering. Uh, there are a lot of needs out there, and, uh, and we need to be able to help. So uh, just be mindful of that as you, uh, as you prepare for, uh, for next Sunday. Uh, in addition, uh, you see some information in the bulletin about our disaster relief teams in, um, in Hawaii. Uh, there are ways that you can give to help uh, through our Baptist relief, uh, Baptist disaster relief teams. You can either, uh, if you wanted to give toward those efforts, um, I, I, I have personally some good friends that live on the island and uh, one whose house was completely destroyed. Uh, it's tough on their family. And yet I, I look at her. Uh, and what she's doing is that she's helping others as best they can, doing whatever is needed. And so if you want to help, uh, there's ways to do that both online and uh, just check your bulletin out. Um, and every, every single dollar goes to those relief funds because it's how our disaster relief teams work. Um, in addition to that, uh, you have an insert in your bulletin. talks about our topical study starting September 14th. Just take a I'll look at those and see if there's uh, uh, some courses that you would like to be engaged in, involved in. If you need more information, just, uh, just let me know. And uh, today's the last day to sign up for the fellowship dinners uh, for this fall. Uh, they go from September through January. Uh, sign up sheets are in both lobbies. There's about eight sign up sheets of different things. So make sure you sign up for the right thing. Uh, the one that says, I'll, I'll give $10,000 this week, go ahead and sign that one too, that'd be okay. <laughs> We'd appreciate that but uh just watch what you're signing <laughs> that's my point um but si- if you will sign up for that um also we have uh tomorrow morning from 9 to 11 is all of our teams our, and ministries all our team leaders and team members our ministry uh leaders uh we're going to have our training time and uh, more it's a uh, it's a, a visioning time so we want you to come you've gotten information on that just remember it'll be here And there will be a a, a Cottonelle Stacks at 8.30. Um, This week is our our movie, and I think today is the last day to sign up for the movie. Uh, Lunch as well, movie, you can come at any time. Um, I mean, you just come at 1 o'clock, but if you want lunch, just sign up at 12.30. Call the office or make a sign up if you would. Uh, The hymn sing next Sunday in the evening time at 5 o'clock. Hymn sing and homemade ice cream. So... Uh, make sure that you sign up for that Let's, or just let the office know if you're going to bring ice cream. Otherwise, we're going to have to go to Sam's Club and, and get a bunch of homemade ice cream there.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs> um, I think you can probably see everything else in the bulletin. How many of y'all read your bulletin? Take it home and actually read the announcements. How many of you use it for your fireplaces? <laughs> I don't know. I just, not, many, not many of us have fireplaces, I know. But those bulletins are there for you, uh, so maybe we don't have to make as many announcements. You take it home, you read it, you look at it, say, these are the things I want to be involved in. Put it on your calendar that you get in your upbeat newsletter every month. You're about to get another one, just put that on the refrigerator. If your is like mine, you can't stick a magnet on the front of it. Have y'all found that, it's plastic? Yes. So I have to put it on the side, because that's metal, okay? Whatever you have to do, just keep those things in front of you. And, uh, and pray for them every time you pass by. Pray for all the things that our church is involved in and engaged in, okay? Let's uh, stand for our closing time of prayer. And Bill Sweeney, thank you very much. One of our deacons.
5: May we pray. Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord. I strengthen my Redeemer. Bless us, Lord, in this day, as we carry your word with us and to others who need to hear your word. For the love that you, you shared with us, may we go out and share it to others. In your holy name we ask it. Amen. Amen.